Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Tennis with an Accent and guess what we are back here previewing the championships we didn't have Wimbledon last year and uh now we're we are two days away the draw has been announced excitements in the air predictions uh moaning from fans and you know what not which is you know you're talking about a grand slam when fan bases are all excited and Ravi Uba uh, joining me for the third time on the podcast making his annual trip to tennis with an accent uh with a busy fortnight ahead it's so kind of him to make time for us and the listeners welcome to the show ravi thank you thank you it's always a pleasure to be asked so i appreciate it thank you now you know me now and i mean i i, I keep asking a lot but i also understand when you or someone else a familiar voice declines i know you guys this is your day job you focus on this and there's so much tennis coverage so just for the listenership here i've listened to some of your tv commentary so what's your wimbledon schedule looking like before we start dissecting these draws what are you okay. going to be up yeah. to it's going to be fun i'm going to be on site uh, probably uh, probably for around half of it uh, i'll be doing some some television doing some some writing at this stage um maybe some some more stuff but uh, as of now just doing a little bit of television and writing how's the bubble scenario at mumbling is it like a is it full capacity for media what is i know you're also no it's not it's not full capacity for media uh it had to be uh are selective understandably uh with the still where we're at with the the pandemic so it's not the usual numbers of of media on site so those who aren't on site usually on site would be doing it by by zoom as we've become accustomed to so uh it's not the usual numbers on site for the uh for the media uh but let us hope you know if it's safe to be so in 2022 that um you know that that'll be you know going back to to what it was but we'll have to wait and see how things go on you know on the other front of the pandemic obviously No, absolutely let's wish for the best and you know hopefully we can get those times back the times we took for granted and now you know there's the new world we've been living for the last 16 months hmm. so s- simple you know let's cut the chase i mean i i know your analysis i follow you closely on twitter uh you write about it, recover the game so before the draw going in for let's talk wta first did you have a set of power rankings before you know what the draw is going to be who are the five or six women you think had the best chance of coming out of this depending on you know where they land on it but who are the five or six players on your radar well that that's a really tough one at this stage and i say that for a couple of reasons because of the depth in the women's game it's i think the best it's ever been and i think it's been like that for a couple of years so the the matchups we get in the early rounds are absolutely tremendous they're they're, they're phenomenal i mean i'm looking at my sheet now and some of them that really stand out we'll get into that a bit later but you know i think things are 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 looking good for for Strina I would say and I you have to bear with me when I say that number one I mean she's won this this tournament what seven times so the last four appearances for her, she's either made the final or won the title and we know what it took to beat her in the last final 2019 Simona Halep played a virtually flawless match I think it was three on four stairs is an, an incredible performance but Serena has joy playing Wimbledon with the serve that she has the points are not going to be as long so those are working in her favor and she is you know one of the greatest athletes to ever play so we have to factor that in it has been a case of her getting close in recent times not talking about clay but talking about on the hard courts with the grand slams you know she lost a, a close one i would say to Naomi Osaka the first set was really key for Serena the Australian Open when she was up by a break had the had the better of it and was almost on the verge of really taking a stranglehold in that first set wasn't able to do so then Osaka came back and then last year at the US Open Vika rallied to win their semifinal. So, it's been a case of Serena set of just not being able to string seven seven together. But I think playing on grass is going to help in that respect. So that that's one thing for Serena. But then also Saka, I think you have to factor in some of the players who for me going in would be, you know, contenders, they still may be contenders, but Ash Barty who loves playing on the grass, former junior champion, um, you know, how is she going to be after not playing since the the french open because of that hip injury that that's a, it's a, it's a very big question mark you have naomi osaka who's not playing there and i know naomi hasn't you know had a whole lot of success playing on grass compared to hard courts but if she was in a situation where for example she goes deep then obviously she becomes um, a big big threat um simona halep is is not able to play she pulled out unfortunately because of the injury still she still has her her, her lower leg injury so that's another contender somebody who's the defending champion of course who's not going to be there garbinia mugurutha who had some clay court um you know issues with her body and then i did the tournament in in berlin and she had more issues with her with her with her, with her legs against uh, um alize corne in 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 a loss to her so 
she's won Wimbledon in the past, obviously. Bianca Andreescu, I also covered her in Berlin. She hasn't played a whole lot on grass. I mean, that's number one, but also hasn't played a lot generally. Um, so, I mean, can we expect her to come in and go very deep? I, I don't know. I think that might be a, a pretty big stretch. So those are some of the big, big players, obviously. And then I think of somebody like Arena uh, Sabalenka, who is due I think he's due to break out at some point at a Grand Slam and, you know, make a, a Grand Slam quarterfinal and then maybe even go deeper because she has the game to win, I think, Grand Slam titles. So um, those are some of the storylines that I'm thinking going in. And Coco Goff, another player to throw in. Of course, it was Coco who made that her her massive, massive breakthrough at Wimbledon two years ago, um, you know, capturing the hearts of you know fans around the world. Um, and, you know, with a, a few points here or there at the French Open, those set points, had you taken them against Barbora Krachikova, it's no stretch to say that maybe she would have been in the final and maybe gone on to win that title. So um, those are some of the big picture things that I'm looking at for, for Wimbledon. I think the bottom half, you know, we have a lot of players who did well, very well at the uh, the French Open. Rybakina, for example. Sakari is another player who did so very well. Ons Jeber, who just, you know, won her first grass court title. Petra Kvitova. I think Petra could be could be a real dark horse, if you can call a two-time uh, you know, Wimbledon champion a dark horse. It's because, of course, she had to pull out injured at the French Open. So um, always exciting to see. Um, and could it be, I just throw this out there, because of her massive serve. We know she's kind of struggling at the moment. But, hey, could there be a big turnaround in the game of Karolina Pliskova, former number one, who still has a pretty hefty serve? Yeah, there's a lot of unpacking there with all the usual suspects. And uh, I, I would also throw in Belinda Benji. I don't know if she's someone you, you're going to look out for in this tournament because she can hit the ball hard and she can be a factor if uh, she gets a match under her belt. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, she made the final in, in Berlin and she was just kind of swept, you know, swept away by Ludmilla Samsonova, who, by the way, in years ahead at Wimbledon, I don't know if she'll be able to do it this season, but she's a wild card this season, is really somebody to look out for. She's got a humongous game, massive serve, massive ground strokes. But Betcher loves playing on the grass. She said a lot in Berlin. It's, it's her favorite surface. Uh, statistically, I believe it's a surface where she's had the most success in winning percentage, um, you know, because she likes to take the ball pretty early. She's comfortable doing that. She's comfortable moving into shots, which is important for grass because the, the, the bounce is slower. And she also has pretty flat strike. So I'm interested to see how, of course, she does. Um, Carolina Mukova. Mukova is somebody who has a, a nice all-round game. Has that nifty slice, can finish points at the net, which can be an advantage playing on the grass even these days when the grass is a little bit longer, a little bit slower. But she had that great run um, at the Australian Open. And I think one one more name of many that I, I don't want to forget about. It's just a shame that Jen Brady's having these foot problems uh, because she'd be potentially somebody who would, you know, with her massive weapons, if not, you know, this year, uh, let's look for, for years ahead for her playing playing on the grass. Sure. So let's look at the world number one, Ashwari, sitting right at the top of the uh, draw. Uh, and she's uh, slated, if seedings hold to form, Bianca Andreescu as a quarterfinalist opponent. So do you see that matchup materializing? Uh, what, what are the certain roadblocks that just, you know, you saw this, okay, this is a match I want to pay attention to? And, well, it's, uh, uh, I think for me, the the, the big picture, the big thing for, for what I think of Barty is how she's feeling. If she's feeling physically 100%, I think that's going to work in her favor. But but the issue is, even if she is feeling 100%, she's had no grass court prep. And as, lo- as much as she loves playing on the grass, it, it's still a very specialized surface. So, you know, I'm kind of thinking in my head, she's such a talented, gifted player that she could be one of these players who, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of prep. But just if she's healthy, she can find her way through a tournament um, and then, you know, once she gets into the second week, if she gets the second week, then somebody obviously you really look to. So the big question mark for, for me and for Ash is how she feels. And she starts off against Carla Suarez Navarro. What a story, obviously, Carla is, uh, you know, beating cancer, uh, playing a very competitive match against Sloane Stevens um, at the French Open, a match that she, you know, she could have won, could have won a couple of sets. But the grass, you know, not not really our, our, her surface, I would say, but still it's one of those matches you look for because of Barty being the world number one. And for Carla, and who's just a, a massive fan favorite. Now, lower down, Joe Conta, who's won a grass court title already this season. She's playing at home. She's been in the Wimbledon semifinals. That's a matchup that could materialize in the third round, although Conta's playing Katarina Siniakova, who's in a grass court final this weekend. So those are some of the names kind of looming for her early. Barbara Kachikova, who won the French. She's also in the section uh, for Ash. Uh, how is she going to reply 
after winning the uh, you know the, the French Open. That's a very quick turnaround. No grass prep. It could be kind of a, a tall task. And you mentioned Sakeb, you know, Bianca Andrescu. I mean, she's got a, a tough opener straight away against somebody who who just beat her on the grass in Elise Cornet. Again, she's another one I would say as gifted and as talented as she is with every single shot in the book. You know, what I what I saw in, in Berlin was that that rhythm that she had, the season that she won the US Open. Um, was just missing a little bit, you know, the shot selection, because she has so many shots in her repertoire, you know, at times it's, it's you know, what shot do I play? And it can, it can be an issue, but that was an issue in 2019 when she was playing regularly. But now having not played for such a long time, understandably it's a bit more of an issue and on the surface, which she has the least amount of experience. So I think, listen, I, I think if that matchup does materialize, if they get to meet, that would be a, a, a tremendous result for, for both of them. And uh, Vika Azarenka also lives in the same section as uh, Andreescu. Is she someone who can make a deep run here, maybe if the draw opens up? She's still 12th seed. It's not like she's uh, unseeded or a lower-ranked player. So she's done something here before. So yes. what, what, what's your verdict on her draw? How far can she go? Um, she can go. I mean, I, I think she can go deep. Um, she's had success playing on grass before. She's been in semifinals playing Wimbledon. Uh, we know that. That was a while ago. But, hey, you know, she so nearly won the U.S. Open last year after a while being out of kind of the uh, the Grand Slam frame when it comes to making a final. Um, you know, on paper, and I, only look at, I say that all the time because on paper we can go by rankings on paper. You know, she starts off against Katarina Kozlova, a match that, you know, I think she'd be comfortable with uh, on paper. But we have to recall, too, remember, too, that because, you know, she pulled out of uh, the grass court event she was playing in, this week ahead of Wimbledon. I hope that's just a precaution because she had a very, very long match, I think around three hours. So if she's feeling okay, you know, Kozlova, then, you know, either Kirstea, who had a great French Open, but likes playing on the clay more than on the grass. And then the first seed she could face would be Annette Contevite, who's currently having a great week in, in Eastbourne. So that could be, um, you know, um, and a very, very tough one. And she could meet, actually, Azarenka could meet if she keeps advancing and they keep advancing Andrescu. Um, although, again, you know, I'm throwing out these names because it's the depth is just ridiculous. Daria Kasatkina, who who just made a final as well um, and, and lost to Owens Jabur. So there, there's a lot of roadblocks for all the players, I think, in this section, uh, as there is, I think, for in, in large parts of the draw. But um, yeah, Vika is somebody who's shown that she can do it. And I think it can only help her the fact that, you know, she made the U.S. Open final last year. Uh, and the player that beat her Actually, the French Open was Pavlyuchenkova, and she went to three sets against Pavlyuchenkova, and we know what actually Pavlyuchenkova did at the French Open. Yep. So that's the next section we're looking at, where Pavlyuchenkova is seed of 16, as, uh, and her round of 16 opponent could be Alina Svitolina. So who, who's, who stands out in that section to prevent that matchup from happening, according to you? There are a lot of names well, in there. Well, um, you know, Elena's build-up has been a little bit mixed coming in, coming in on the grass. Uh, of course, it was on the grass where she made her Grand Slam breakthrough, which afterward even surprised her, you know, because people kept asking, when are you going to make the semifinals of Grand Slam? And, you know, she did it at Wimbledon, which which surprised her. You know, she's got a, a big server right in the first round. Uh, Alison Van Uitfank, who pulled off a pretty big upset at Wimbledon uh, a few years ago against Garbinia Muguruza. Uh, Amanda Anasimova, who's She's having a bit of a tough time now, but playing at a slam, I mean, uh, somebody who's who's done a deep at Grand Slams. And I think I see Carolina Mukova, who's not far away from, from Svitolina in, in, in the draw. And I think of the players kind of in the, if we're looking at the the second quarter of the of the draw, you have Svitolina, Bedosa, Mukova, Pavlichenkova, Bencic, Goff, Kerber, Williams. The top part of that section, I think um, I'm going to keep an eye on on uh, Mukova, really, because you could have a, a Mukova Pavlyuchenkova developing and then lower down potentially, um, you know, facing a Serena or a Kerber um, or Coco Goff. And, and, and I, I know we're going to work our way to it, but, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me in the draw was in the top half, second quarter, you could have a Kerber and a Serena matchup in the third round, and that would be a rematch of the Wimbledon final a few years ago, the one that uh, Kerber won, of course. They met um previously on the grass and Serena also she won that one but hey Kerber's playing some very good tennis at the moment she's playing in a grass court final at home uh 
any piece of information on how Badosa or Bogdan, you know, they did really good at uh, Roland Garros. Are they grass court players for someone who really doesn't know about them? Uh, are they worth following? I know uh, Bogdan starting against Pavlyuchenko was a, a tough opener right out of the gate. So, any? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's uh, you have to you have to factor in a couple of things. You mentioned those players, Badosa is somebody who's very very comfortable playing on the clay. I mean, she grew up playing on the clay. Her best results um, playing on the clay. She had a big French Open. She had a big clay court swing heading into the French Open. So, um, you know, not a lot of time for to reset playing on a gra- playing on the grass where she's not as comfortable. So that, you know, I think could be um, a tricky one for her in in that little section. Um, you mentioned Anna Bogdan. Anna Bogdan has a remain with who who has a who has a massive backhand, but she too, uh, I think, likes playing on the clay. Has had success playing on the on the clay. But I look in that little section, and again, the names I'm thinking about, uh, you know, for me, it'd be Mukova and Pavlyuchenkova, Benchich, you already mentioned, and Goff, Kerber, the seeds in that in that bottom half, um, you know, how they're going to do. Sure. And then there's, of course, Serena Williams. Uh, and that's more like a broader question. You know, uh, the conversation has, you know, has been about her winning that next elusive slam, you know, uh, creating history. Uh, is this still the best place where that can happen? And, you know, has a draw, uh, how has the draw shaped out for that run to materialize? Hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah, so she is in the in the top half of the draw, in the bottom half of the uh, the top half. She starts off against Alexandra Sasnovich, who's, I think, a, a player who likes to take the ball early uh, on the rise. Um, has had success playing on hard courts, particularly in, uh, in Australia, although she also made a final a few years ago, now in, in, in Seoul, and those are faster hard courts. So just based on that, I, I honestly don't know, kind of delving into a record playing on grass, but traditionally has had success playing on faster surfaces. And then, you know, Serena could, I mean, she could face Bernardo Pera in the in the next round. Pera is a humongous hitter. I mean, takes the ball early. Her balls really zip through the court. Um, dangerous player, dangerous player who beat Angelique Kerber at the Australian Open. Um, I know Kerber was in, um, you know, she was one of those players who was in hard quarantine. That may have been a factor. I don't know. But Para is always, has always been known as a very dangerous player. So that's a potential second round match for, and then a uh, potential third round. You know, you're looking at players like on paper again, I'm just going to say it like that because that is a seed. Highest uh, ranked player is Kerber and Kerber is finding form now by making the final in Bad Homburg. So the timing for her is very, very good. And then after that, if Serena wins, you know, you have either, again, by the seeds, Coco or Bencic. It, it's, it's, I mean, it's never a simple draw because winning a Grand Slam, especially, you know, uh, for players who are, you know, more at the latter stage of their career than in the peak or at the beginning, it's always going to be difficult. But there, there are roadblocks, but this is grass. This is grass. And I think this is where Serena can win a lot of the free points on serve when that serve is working and not not have to play as, as long points. What's the weather going to be like in the fortnight? Is it a lot of rain taking time away or do you think we can get a lot of tennis in the first week? Well, that's a very good question. I haven't uh, looked uh, too much at the weather forecast, if I'm being uh, very honest, but I'm just going to have a, a glance of it now. Well, <laughs> the first week I'm seeing a lot of rain, uh, which could be problematic. Uh, temperatures that aren't, aren't very warm either uh celsius you know low 20 so that's probably around 70 70 fahrenheit um if not a bit uh just a bit above that but uh let me see just take a look at the, the second week as well it's going to heat up uh, a little bit uh towards uh i think the middle of the back end which i think you know the, the hotter conditions the ball is going to fly through the air that'll be faster it also will have an impact on on the grass. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, the, the warmer conditions are always better for players um, in the sense that if they're hitting big, the balls are be going through the court a bit more. It's going to give them more oomph because we um, even more for playing on a grass court because of the bounce we know on, on a grass court. So, so far, first week is looking, I think too great, uh, but it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to warm up. Yeah. So we're after all. So let's yeah. see. So if we advance to the next, uh, which is the bottom half, so who are your semifinalists? I know that we, you're trying to fit a lot here. Uh, you, you spoke about a lot of different players who can make inroads and take advantage or even can cause a pro- matchup problems. So who stands out in this section of 64 players? Who makes a semi from, uh, if you want to even talk about quarters, the floor is yours, but, you know, I know uh, we are a little... Yeah, no, I... Time, I, I so. 
I, this is a tricky one. I mean, I'm, I know she's had problems, uh, issues playing at Grand Slams. And, you know, she's talking about that, how she wants to compete well and do well now at the Grand Slams. And I think the more that a player thinks about it, um, the harder sometimes it, it can become to kind of overcome that. And Petra Kvitova was in that situation, you know, just a while back, um, you know, where she just couldn't get over the hump once again at a Grand Slam and then was able to do it, made Australian Open final, made a French Open semifinal. Caroline Pushkova is somebody who's kind of in that situation now. Uh, and generally, I think she's struggling a bit with her game. Uh, you know, Kvitova, if she's healthy, um, he's got a tough one to start against the Sloan Stevens. I mean, you're taking on a fellow Grand Slam winner. Uh, that, that's going to be straight away a, a tough one. Although I think getting some matches under her belt this week for Petra has been very good for her and getting some wins under her belt after the injury she suffered at the French Open. So she's in the in the top part of this bottom half of the draw. I mean, you have to look out for it and say, you know, uh, somebody to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the first seat she could face is Jessica Pagula, who's having a phenomenal season, an excellent season. She ran Vika very close uh, in Berlin. Uh, she's got a big game. Not a lot of experience on the grass. And I think experience counts for, for a lot on the grass, maybe more so than any other surface. Um, I'm going to, you know, she's got to do it. I mentioned earlier, uh, Sakib Sabalenka. Um, she's, got, she's got a game for, for any surface. Um, and I think, you know, she does have a tricky one to start against Stikalescu. Somebody could really change the pace and make her to make her bend down low for those balls because she hits slice on the, on the forehand and also mix in the slices on the backhand. But I'd like to see her do well. I really would like to see her do well because she's merited based on what she's done in her play outside, outside the Grand Slams. Now, Irubakina also picked up some wins um, on the grass heading into Wimbledon. Katarina Alexandrova likes playing on the grass. She could face Sabalenka uh, in the third round, a very good fast court player. Iga Sviatek, straight away, one of the matches that stood out for me, first round matches taking on Shea Suwe, I mean, that's going to be incredible. That's a popcorn match right away, Sviatek and, and Shea. So um, those are some of the names that I'm looking at. There's one other name I want to mention, too. In in normal years where she's not coming off an injury, I would say Ali Risk would be somebody to really watch out for because she has been a quarterfinals at Wimbledon, um, and she absolutely loves playing on the grass. She made a breakthrough on grass many, many years ago, and it seems like every grass court swing, she's always doing something pretty good. So um, I just don't know how she's feeling kind of, you know, health-wise, if she feels 100% and confidence in her game. Uh, we saw a couple of years ago when she, you know, when she made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon and, and ran Serena close. Uh, what's her grass court potential for Maria Sakari? She had a great uh, role in Garros. She's someone who's, I think, also knocking the door pretty hard. How do you see her draw and uh, what's the potential looking like? Uh, I, I really, really love watching Sakari play. I think she brings a lot of intensity to the court. She's got a, um, a very heavy forehand. She's also able to get the pop on the serve. She competes well. I think she's worked a lot on different parts of her game. I think the, the backhand um, has really developed nicely. I think she's got a... A very, very good coach. They work together nicely in tandem. But but again, it's, it's one of these players who's had a long play court swing, a long French Open. To then make that adjustment, two-week gap instead of three-week three week gap as, as we're accustomed to, and then do something at Wimbledon on a completely different surface, a surface where she's not had a lot of time on, that's going to be, um, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to really test her. So, of course, I'll be keep, keeping an eye for her because, um, again, I really like her game, but it's a quick, quick turnaround. All right, so, you know, because uh, we have to fit in the men's draw too. So, Ravi, who are your four semifinalists here? I know. Wow. Wow, pull no punches. Straight away, the question, who are your four semifinalists? Uh, <laughs> well, oh, God. Well, Novak is, is one for me. No, no, no for, for the women, sorry. We'll get into oh, the men. You. Yeah, my bad, oh, yeah. So, let's okay. close this, yeah, for the women. Oh, okay. Oh boy! You know, no, 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 I don't want to give you a heart attack. I mean, that's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of, because if I look at the the top half and the top half of the top half, they're question marks. They're they're just so many question marks. Um, oh boy! Um, Make a bold pick. I mean, this is just a podcast. I mean, I mean. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to hope that she's feeling healthy. I think for tennis, it would be good. Um, I'll say Ash, Ash to to make a, a semifinal. From um, from that part of the draw, um, and I think that Serena Kerber matchup in the third round is looking very very good. 
and I can't forget also Coco. But I'm going to go with Serena. I'm going to go with uh, Ash and Serena. And then from the the bottom half of the the draw, I'm going to go Kvitova. And then the bottom half, I'm going to go with Stabalenka. So there we are. You know, nothing in the document materialized, but I'm going to go with those four. Sure. And then I'll ask you at the end who's winning this. So let's talk about the men. I mean, Novak Djokovic was always going to be the favorite for this. It was his tournament to lose. But could he come in with, you know, more momentum? I mean, and then how does the field even match up to him? Because, you know, Federer is not the same guy anymore. Uh, maybe he finds his form. Murray is... I mean, we, we should mention him. He's playing Wimbledon, but he's far from being a factor. Uh, hopefully, he can win a few matches and, you know, materialize a Shepovalov matchup. And then they're like the, 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 mini, the mini big three, you know, who are trying to make their own way, which is Sitsipas, Medvedev, and Zverev. And then there's Matteo Berrettini. So, this, this is my mini power ranking. I mean, I think it's clearly Djokovic, then there's some gap, and then the rest. So, how do you see it? Do you see any differently? or No, no, I, I don't see it differently. I think that... Uh... Going into Wimbledon, this Wimbledon, uh, it's probably the time where Novak goes into Wimbledon as um, as the biggest favorite as he's ever been going into SW19. I think um, with what he's able to do at the French Open, um, and and because he's been here before, because he's been at the game for such a high level, top top level, he really knows how to pace himself. He takes care of his body. He's in tremendous shape. He's got this massive hunger. It's massive appetite to win more Grand Slam titles. So for him, this turnaround with not playing uh, any singles on grass, because when he was playing doubles, I played doubles in in Mallorca, um, you know, it's something he's been able to manage before. So I, I, I agree with you. I think he's the pretty substantial favorite going in. Now, just some insight, by the way, on the first match, uh, match up for him is Jack Draper, a very young British player who uh, made some waves at, at Queens. And he actually... She trains at the same at the same club as me, and I, I, I can tell you that just you know a little insight about him is uh, first of all he hits the ball very big, um, but he's a he seems like a pretty nice character because <laughs> you know when he takes breaks during his practice and he works with Ryan Jones who has worked with um, Borna Church and Kyle Edmund did a very good job with both those players. He, he's, he's he's laughing, he's taking a look at us at us club players and you know keeping an eye on us and applauding our shots here and there. So uh, it's a very nice uh, thing for him to do. He starts off against against Novak. Obviously Novak is going to be the massive favorite to win that. And then Kevin Anderson, that could be a second round matchup for Novak. How about that? I mean, past Wimbledon final between these two, it's just been a shame. A shame to see what's happened to Anderson's career because I know how hard he has worked in his career to get to where he was in the game and then to have these injury problems. You know, I mean, the, 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 the big knee issue. Um, I really hope he can turn it around at some point and get back to, to that level. But, um, you know, even if, if, if Kevin was at, at, at that level, what does Novak do against these big servers? I mean, he gobbles them up. I mean, look at his record against Milos Raonic, for example, former Wimbledon boss who we know is not playing this year. So, and even at the peak of Anderson, sorry to cut you off, he got him twice here in 2015 in that you know rain-affected five-setter, and then yeah. uh, in the 2018 final when Novak was you know making his comeback. So yeah, I mean, uh, but again, I think that's the kind of matchup someone said. I was following some, I think, some thread that Djokovic will be Djokovic's biggest opponent if there is a level drop. That probably is where the field has a chance. But even for the field to have a chance, you need a Sam Querrey or a Kevin Anderson, someone who can hit the cover of the ball and, you know, make quick service holes. Never easy against Djokovic, but that was the only recipe because uh, no one else comes to mind that who can stay Djokovic in a full five-set match, you know, purely in terms of, like, skills. Yeah, no, no, and, and I think that's I think that's not far off. And I'm looking at the seeds in his um, in his quarter, okay? We know he could play Andre Rublev, but I think that could be a test for, for Novak in the quarterfinals. But the other seeds... In his section, Davidovich Fakino is very, very young. Again, long clay court swing, not a lot of time playing on the grass. I know, to, I know he had to retire um, just out of Wimbledon. Christian Garin, more comfortable playing on clay. Gail Monfils, unfortunately for Gail, he's still, still trying to find his game. Schwartzman loves playing on the clay. Sinner, not a lot of time playing on grass. Fanini, clay quarter. So those are all the seeds in his quarter besides Rublev. So, you know, there's it's Novak is Novak. He's the massive favorite in terms of those danger players. Like you mentioned, a Sam query, you know, potentially there, you know, there may not be really any lurking um, in his 
path before he gets to the quarters. And then looking lower down, uh, you know, Sitsipas, after his long French Open, he opted not to play any grass court events, which I totally understand. And, and I back him on that because, I mean, it was such a draining French Open. Um, you know, how how is he going to respond after that French Open final where he was up two sets so close to winning his first Grand Slam title? And I, and I bring that up, Sackett, because remember when he played that five-hour epic against Stan Wawrinka at the French Open a couple of years ago? Um, match, what I remember ending on this crazy, ridiculous slice pass winner from Stan kind of down the line. Uh, it took him a long time recover, to recover from that loss. So having been up now two sets uh, against Novak at the French, being so close, even even though Novak is Novak, and with 19 Grand Slams under his belt, is this going to linger for Stefanos again? And, and then he's going on a surface grass, uh, you know, where he doesn't have – as much experience, he's been upset at Wimbledon in the past. So, um, just one thing to kind of mention. And, and look, we play in the first round. That's another popcorn match, right? It's a pass and and uh, Tiafo, who won uh, a grass court challenger already. Yeah, I think that's a tricky match. So, before we go to Sitsipas, uh, Andre Rublev has shown, I think, a lot of consistency. I mean, we are all waiting for the next step in a Grand Slam, but he's done few quarters, and uh, he on, on the ATP level, he's pretty. Uh, dominant in terms of like winning tournaments, 500s, 250s, reaching finals. So, if you look at his draw, if Novak is a lock, can who can stop Rublev before he can keep the date on a Wednesday quarterfinal with Djokovic? Is it Sinner? Is it, uh, I mean, let's throw in, I don't know, Wesley yeah, is no, a big no, star, no. but he's like a shadow of himself. Who's there? Who can prevent that from happening? Well, I think it's, you know, Rublev has had success playing on the grass. You know, he he was close to winning Halle, uh, beaten by Umber. And I'm just looking at his little section, you know, above him. You know, he gets a clay quarter. And I, in, in Federico Del Bonis, and I, if memory serves me, I don't believe Del Bonis has ever won a grass court match. So based on that, looking nice for him. Then uh, Barankis or Harris. Now, Lloyd Harris is is having a, a breakthrough season. You know, he did so well in the Middle East. And then in Halle, he made uh, the quarterfinals. So that could be something yeah, for... Yeah, that's a banana for yeah. the match. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a, a real a big test, especially with the serve that Harris has. And I remember that Harris played Federer on the grass. I don't know if it was the previous Wimbledon or maybe the one before, and he actually played well. He played well against uh, against Federer and uh, really tested him. And what I think of Harris, <laughs> the one thing that I've said in the past is he has a forehand that reminds me of Igor Andrev. And Igor Andrev had a humongous forehand. Yeah, that was at Wimbledon. And, you know, he he did take a set off Federer in 2019 before Roger won in four. So, you know, on paper, again, I think Harris would be expected to win that match against Barankis. Um, and you could have a Rublev-Harris. And then after that, I believe it's looking kind of good. It's looking good for, for Rublev to to advance and, and go further on the draw and potentially set up that match against Novak. Sure. And again, Wimbledon didn't take place last year, so no one is unique in that aspect. So guys like Sitsipas, who didn't have a great Wimbledon in 2019, and then he lost you know, that straight setter to John Isner in 2018. His game has come a long way. He's a legit contender, I think, in every big tournament he enters. Of course, Clay being his best. What are your expectations? I know there's a you know losing that final against Djokovic. It's only a two-week transition, but then that's the same for everyone. He's been practicing. Well, what is what is the beat around Sitsipas? And you know, what do you think? Is the upside for him and grass? A lot of people automatically think because of the backhand, he should be doing well. But then a lot of people who know their tennis have told me the backhand is a slight obstacle because he doesn't do the block returns that well. His slice is not up there yet. So how do you see his potential and grass? Clearly a work in progress in terms of being a true contender. But uh, how do you stack him for this draw? Well, I mean, I'm going to go back and look what he's done at Wimbledon. Uh, 2017, first round, he was beaten by... Lajovic, 2018, he did make the, the fourth round, as you mentioned, he lost Isner in a tight one, uh, so no shame there. And then he was upset by Fabiano in 2019. Now, uh, again, I mentioned the match that he lost to Stan at the French Open, which took a lot out of him mentally. So even before we talk about the game, that's what that's the question mark for me, is how is he going to fare after you know losing to Novak in five when he was up two sets? Difference it's a pass to what he was when he played Vavrinka. He's much more... I think he's got more experience under his belt. I think he really, I think, and he's talked about this this season. You know, he believes he belongs here. 
He's targeting big things. He believes he should be winning Grand Slam titles. So I think the mindset is completely different now for him as it was two years ago. Temper that, however, by saying that he's playing on grass. It's still the most specialized surface. And I think that's I think that's worth repeating again because I think sometimes people don't um, don't emphasize enough the difficulty of playing on grass and how quick it is to make that adjustment, especially at a time when there's only the two-week gap between French and Wimbledon. I know you just mentioned that the players are used to it. Uh, the players that are used to players that have done well on, on grass traditionally players who've, you know, who have a fair bit of experience playing on it. So it, it can really simmer, you know, in terms of a player finding them, their feet on, on grass. Um, so for me, there's no certainty that he's going to, you know, go deep into the draw based on those factors that I just mentioned. And, you know, he hasn't played in any, any grass court events going in. And I want to repeat again that I, I understand why. That, that That's not me second-guessing him. He's had a long clay course where he needed a break. I totally get it. And he also had a death in the family, right? His grandmother or someone passed away. Yeah, so yeah. I'm yeah, sure, like, you know, there's a lot happening. Yeah, he talked about that as well. Um, you know, just uh, around the end of the, the French Open, there is a lot happening. So how is that going to affect him as well? Um, but, you know, the first-round match against Tiafo, that, that could really pave the way for him. If he gets through that match against somebody who's already had success playing on, on grass this season, um, you know, potentially the start of something good. Although second round, he might face Pospisil, who has been a quarterfinalist um, at Wimbledon in the past. Uh, Dan Evans is lurking in his section, although he starts with Feliciano Lopez, so that's not going to be easy for him. Uh, and then Raleigh Opelka is in the section. Um, so there there are a lot of roadblocks for for Sitsipas. I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he does and it, and if he if he is able to for example make the second week and i think for me that'd be great for him after his french open sure. and fourth round quarterfinal then wow this is going to for me say something the fact they know he, he would have made the semis in australia final at the french and you know potentially as i said if he makes quarters or even more at Wimbledon, that that is that is just terrific that would be terrific yeah i'm, I'm personally looking forward to the dan evans Demonor, man, that's like a mini ashes if you follow cricket, right? And Evans has been playing great. I, I have a feeling Demonor may get past Korda, who again is a such a bright talent. We can talk yeah. about him, but there's not enough time to talk about each and uh, every one of these guys. Maybe you should come break down a 250 with me, then maybe we can spend time uh, yeah. later in the year. Uh, and then if you look at the draw, Denis Shapovalov is again polarizing conversation. Talent-wise, I think he's right up there with Sitsipas and Medvedev and Zverev. Results-wise, he's not there. He's in you know that same generation. But he's definitely made a lot of improvement, especially the match he played against Rafael Nadal in Rome. Then he didn't play Roland Garros. And a lot of people believe he has the kind of game if it's all firing. Of course, it's erratic. And you know still, he needs to figure a few things out. But he has a weaponry to stay with like a Djokovic or a Nadal when all cylinders are firing. Challenges to get to those matches because he's higher seed now. So he has to win three, four matches to even see those guys in the quarters. Starts against Cole Schreiber, could play Murray. Uh, what's uh, what's the upside for this guy with this draw? Can he finally make it count? Um, well, you know, he's 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 had success on the grass coming in. I think we have to say that. He played Stuttgart and made the quarterfinals. He also played Queens and made the, the semifinals where he's beaten by Cam Nori. And again, on paper, that's maybe a bit of an upset. At the same time, Nori's having this fantastic season doing it on every surface, hard clay and grass. So, uh, you know, one for the home player, home fans, pardon me, to, to look out for. You know, the thing with, I think about with Shapovalov is, is he going to be able to have this deep run at a Grand Slam where he's able to maintain a high level and not have too many dips that could cost him? You know, sometimes when I watch his game, I, I'm still thinking, okay, the returns, I really like you know, returns in play as a st- statistic, you know, how many returns are finding the court. And I think that's pretty important, you know, not to give away too many points. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, of course, playing on grass, if you're if you're playing a big hitter, big server, it's going to be more difficult to put returns back in. There are also more serve plus one combinations, you would, you would say, for, for good servers on a grass court. But in terms of talent and the ability, yes, I agree with you. He has it. He has it in spades. He has a tremendous amount. Um it's, Let me ask you this: Are you are you a potential guy or are you a performance guy? What what is your what meter do you follow? Because that's where this conversation gets interesting and tricky. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, I think you can in different stages. I mean, when a player is first starting off their career, 18, 19, 20, 21, you think about potential, 
And then for me, then it turns into a bit more about performance and how they're developing their game. Now, I, I honestly have to say that when he made that crazy breakthrough at home, uh, you know, beating Rafa in, in Canada and then had an excellent U.S. Open, I know he was tipped for like humongous things, like he's going to win a Grand Slam title within you know a couple of years. And I, I honestly felt that was a that was a little bit bandwagon um, because okay, it was at a time where he was just hitting. Everything was going in. He does have tremendous talent, but also it's a time where a lot of people didn't know his game. So I think as you watch a player, you know, you can, you know, you have your scouting report. This is where the coaching uh, really, really helps. You do your analytics and and you can see, okay, here's how I'm going to play him. He still has that talent. He still has that crazy ability, but, you know, you watch his matches and you think, okay, you know, was that the right shot to play at that time? Uh, should he have missed that return at that time? Um, the bar is set so high nowadays because of the big three and formerly the big four. And I think a lot of people think, okay, you know what, because they did it. Why is this guy, you know, not, not top, top five or, you know, a fixture inside the top 10. We have to let players develop at their own time and space. And also second, I mean, even if he is a player, I'm not saying he's going to be this, but even if he is a player who, you know, hovers around, you know, 20, 25, 30, will make a, a deep run of Grand Slam quarters maybe here and there, you know, so be it. That's that's the type of player that he's going to be. We can enjoy watching his matches. We all feel he can do a lot with his game because when it, when it really works, um, it can take out the you know take out the best players in the world. And playing on grass, you know, he's not going to have to hit as many balls as he would on a clay court potentially as well, depending on the conditions on a hard court. So, um, yeah, looking out for him and, and just seeing what he's able to do. Cole Schreiber, somebody who had a good – French Open upset Karatsev, which was a humongous win for him. Uh, he could play. He could play Herbert in the second round. That'll be a battle. Could be a battle of big servers. And then in lower down, you're mentioning Murray, Bastlash, Philly. And also, I just want to highlight, if I can, in that section of the draw, a match that I'm actually looking forward to is Oscar Otta, who, you know, who played Alexander Zverev pretty tough with the French. He also played Roger before at the French, and it was a very entertaining match. He's taking on Artur Rinderknecht, somebody who had a good university career playing in Texas, who's had a good breakthrough in the last probably two months, and he qualified for him. Well, he's got a he's got a very big serve. So those are a couple of names. That's something that I like to throw in because a Grand Slam. I love seeing these new names and these stories that develop in the in the first week. But yes, to go back to it, yes, I'm going to keep an eye on on Dennis and see what he's able to do. Yeah, Rinderknecht is someone I thought will take Tillich out at Roland Garros. He has a huge serve and a huge forehand. So yeah. I'm looking forward to him winning a match there and maybe playing Murray. I think that'll be a center court match. Because I think every match for Murray, I think they'll try to put him in center because you never know if it's going to be the last match. He's uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. And I, I don't think anybody would argue with him playing on center every single match. And then uh, the few players who are remaining in the top, uh, bottom of the top half are Batista Agut and Riley Opelka. Any thoughts uh, how far these guys can go before we start talking about the bottom half? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, Batista Gu. You might remember he played that epic match against uh, Novak at Wimbledon. They had was it the longest rally recorded on grass at Wimbledon on the men's side? That that um, that I think that was the case. Um, I think it's right up there. You're right. Yeah, yeah. the semifinal, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a semifinal. Um, so I think you know he's somebody that if he gets that far, then obviously you're thinking it could be um, you know could be something in it because he has played Novak tough in the past uh, for Opelka. I know that he lost op- his opener, was it? I believe it was at, uh, at Queen's Samilman. It was a long battle. But, you know, when you have a serve like uh, Opelka, if he's able to catch fire with that serve, then I think, you know, he's somebody that never, no matter the surface, he can never be discounted. He starts off against a, against a player, Dominic Kuffer, who I've really enjoyed watching in the last year and a half because he's got a very big game. He's a left-hander. And I think there could be a lot more to come from him. And, of course, he played Federer tough at uh, – at the uh, at the French Open, so yeah, I mean Opelka. Every time he plays on a grass court, you know the one thing you're looking at, maybe one of the first things, is the ace count. You know how high it's going to be for him. Sun Wukwan is also kind of in that little section, and he had a he made his first uh, semifinal tour semifinal in Eastbourne after losing seven all seven of his quarterfinals. So a, a nice little breakthrough for him. Uh, he starts off against uh, a qualifier, but uh, you know, so we have a mix of. The experience in Baptista are good, and the younger players there, like an Opelka and like, um, like a Quan. Sure. All right, so let's look at the top of the bottom half, Matteo Berrettini. 
I think this itself could be a 10-minute discussion, but we don't have the luxury. Where does he rank in your uh, challenges to Novak category? Like, is he uh, below the Tsitsipas, uh, Medvedev, Zverev, or is he ahead of them? Because a lot of people think he's tailor-made in grass. There was a good analysis done on his Queen's title, how so many serves didn't come back through a variety of opponents. Then the jury's out there on the backhand return and how he can stay in the rally, but then the slice is pretty effective. A lot to unpack there, but where do you put him in this mix? I put him really high up there, Sakib. I mean, uh, the one thing that um, he said at the French Open that stuck out for me after he lost to Novak was he was immediately thinking about the grass. I mean, he said it in his transcript in his press conference after the match that he's already looking to the grass and he wanted to do big things. So there, already, a statement of intent. The fact that he wanted to do well. And what did he do? He, he goes out and he wins Queens. And you're talking about his serve. Uh, it is one of the biggest serves in the men's game. He has nice variety on the serve. I think he can hit the, the heavy one, which is maybe better for, you know, it might be better for um, for Clay. But he also has the slice serve. He can, he can pound the serve. Um, he's very good with a body serve because of his stance, where he, how he hits the serve. Um, and listen, his, his confidence is going to be through the roof. I think playing on grass, if you look at the player's under Novak, he has to be in that mix, uh, in the next mix of players who could, you know, you're thinking, okay, if Novak doesn't win, could he, could this guy do it? I think he could. I think he could do it. Um, he showed, remember when he made his breakthrough a few years ago that he could play on all different surfaces, hard courts, clay, grass. And you talked about his, his backhand return. And yes, that, that can be an issue for him because, uh, you know, I watched a lot of him during the, during the clay swing. And you know he can be a little erratic, a little hit and miss with the return, but he also has the slice, and it's an excellent slice, not only um, in, in in rallies because he's able to really knife through it, and on grass, that means keep it low or as you know as low as you can nowadays on on grass. You can still go through the court. Let's put it that way, uh, and stay low. And and it's not such a bad thing to be slicing returns on a grass court, right? Because if you're no, facing not, yeah. You're facing massive servers. I mean, that little, that short little slice where you can, you have the backswing cannot be too pronounced because there's not a lot of time. He times it, he can time that well. Uh, but I agree. If he's going to be blocking those backhand returns, that's a different thing. And I think you might find that a little more tricky. So I think for him, uh, maybe the play would be, uh, you know, slice, slice on the return if, if he's able to have the time to do so. And um, it always makes me a little bit chuckle. And I think, you know, because we have some players who who, who would always slice on, on the backhand and you're, and you're saying, come on, you know, drive through it because you have the time to do it. I mean, Roger, Roger, a few years ago, right, wasn't he? He was you know, doing a lot of slicing on the, the backhand return. Then he drove through on the backhand return. And that really led to some great results. So um, for, for Berrettini, a lot in his, in his game to work with. Um, I, I really think he can... He can go deep. I mean, he, having said that, listen, he he could face John Isner in the in the third round, and if he plays Isner, that's like a that's a lottery. It's a that, that, it's a toss up. Sure, and then there's a loaded section here, all the way from Berrettini to Zverev. Zverev probably has <clears throat> uh, the slight easy end of the draw for sure because Taylor Fritz is coming back from uh, surgery. We don't know how good he is if they do clash. But then there's Uga Amber going the, the hollow champion going against the you know Nick Kyrgios who surprisingly hasn't pulled pulled out. I don't know. I, I didn't expect him to play, but he's here. So what do you expect of that match? It's a popcorn match, but again, Kyrgios is kind of an unknown with you no know, tennis for more than four months. No, no, definitely. I think it's, but it, but it is a, a still very much a popcorn match after after the match they played at the uh, the Australian Open when on Bear, he did have a match point in that one, uh, I believe, and he was up um, two sets to one before Kyrgios rallied. So it is a popcorn match based on what happened there. It wouldn't be far fetched, given you know, given the talent that he has. Nick, that he comes into Wimbledon and he beats on Bear straight away. Um, it could happen. I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody was surprised would be surprised to see it because of how good and how talented he is, and he's playing on a grass court. Making a deep run, that's a completely different story for Nick. Um, but you know, as a one-off first rounder, because the, the points aren't going to be as long, um, could be nice to see for me. However, on Bear doing so well and winning a title on grass going in because he really struggled before the grass court season. I mean, he had good success playing on the clay last year, heading into the French, uh, was upset at the French, and then that kind of carried over into the uh, clay swing. Really tough time for him. So 
I like I like him a lot. I like his his personality, his nature. Uh, seems to be a, a lovely guy, uh, musician as well. We know has a has a great game, and I was very happy to see him do well. Um, also, in that section, Oje Aliasim is is not far away. Uh, you know, he could face Amber uh, Aslan Karatsev again. A novice playing on on grass. He starts off against a big big server in Shardy. And that's some, that's another match. I think it's just going to be keeping an eye on. Um, but it's it's a nice little section. You mentioned Zverev. I mean, Zverev, it's has been a while if memory serves me where he's made a grass court final, but he's ha- has had success playing on on grass. And uh, I think he's also in this category now where, you know, at every grand slam, no matter the grand slam, you expect him to go far. Yeah, I think this is uh, the tournament where I think the draw is a little kind as well, like French Open, because we don't know the health of Fritz, but Nakashima is a talent. So, yeah, there are no easy matches. But then there are also potential easy matches when you look at the draw and nothing stands out. So Zverev's destiny is definitely in his own hand till the round of 16 if uh, if he doesn't play bad and you know uh, his level drops. Talk about Federer uh, as we close on this podcast. Uh, Manorino's a decent grass court player. Federer's played him here before. But uh, this could be like the Alejandro Faya match like from 2010. You know, the grass will be low bouncing, a flat lefty shots. Can he trouble the Swiss? Uh, yeah, he 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 can trouble him. It's just a question of can he trouble him to the extent that he wins the match. Um, and this is a tough draw for Roger because Manorino has won a grass court title. He's been in a couple of other uh, grass court finals. He's played well going into Wimbledon, playing well uh, coming in in Mallorca. So it is a tough one for Federer, but it's a tougher one for Manorino. I mean, <laughs> that's the way you have to say it. I mean, Roger has won this thing eight times and. Um, on what, on what happened to him in Hala, you know, it's. I said this earlier in the week that it could go maybe one of two ways. I mean, and hopefully it goes this way for Roger that he was so contemplative after that loss to Ojeda Yassim, took his time to come to press, which was unusual for him. Only did English, which again is very unusual, and it's clear that there was some some deep thinking that was going on, some reflection. So, I think and I hope. It's a case of Roger coming out of that and so determined that you know that's not going to happen at Wimbledon. That he's going to come out and he's going to he's going to turn things around and play the way that you know he can or close to the way he can. The caveat in that is you know how is he going to be feeling health wise? Um, how is the body feeling health wise? Because he has, he just hasn't played a whole lot of tennis in two thousand and. Uh, in 21, uh, after not playing, you know, a whole lot in 2020. So I think the key for Roger is, okay, first things first, of course he wants to win the match, but for him, if he can win them, you know, pretty swiftly, not going to these, you know, back and forth matches heading into the second week, then I think, um, you know, potentially he could go even, even further. I made this point earlier just on social media that, you know, as we analyze the draw and look at things, he's avoided Djokovic in terms of being not being in the top half. But, you know, given that he's going to be 40 in August, you know, playing on the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, if he keeps going, you know, would it have been better for him, um, you know, if he's playing on the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then two days off before the fourth round, if he makes it that far. Especially if he has, let's say, a long one in the third round. You know, a long match in the in the third round. I mean, seed he could face in the third round is having a fantastic season. I mentioned already Cam Nori, um, who's showing no fear when he plays anybody this season. So um, again, that this is just speculation, but yeah, I mean, I think you know if he had the extra day between the third and the fourth round, uh, potentially that could be something. But that's still kind of far away. I think you know we're thinking about that, but Roger obviously is not thinking about that just yet. Yeah, and you know, like there's a lot of uh, way to. Di- you know, digress in a good way in what you just said because his last two tournaments, Roland Garros and Hala, if you look at the last two matches uh, against Kapfer, he, you know, put it all out there in a physical match for him, you know, early in his comeback, still is early, I don't know how his body is. He won that match and was totally spent after that, but he looked good. But in the Oji Aliasim match, in the third set, Aliasim made him look slower. You know, he, Roger, for, for a second, looked his age. So yeah. we don't know like what's going through uh, the body and the mind, but uh, I wouldn't even look that far ahead because Sam Query has found form. Traditionally, that's been an easy, I mean, good matchup for Federer, but again, this is a Federer like in unknown territory. We don't know 
with explosive explosiveness yeah. of legs. Will he have that quickness, the recovery, even if he gets two four setters? Yeah, it's it's little unknown waters. Let's see how he does. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't look past the fourth round. Of course, he's eight time champion. If he finds even his B game, that should be good enough. Yeah. Then if he's firing below B, then I think it's like you say, Cam Cam Nori lurks, who's had a career start, and then yeah, it's a it's a, it's a tough way to live it in this is, draw. It, it is it is Sakib, and I, and I think if I look lower down, just on some of the seeds, I mean, Sonigo, he's into the final in Eastbourne. He's already won a grass court title. And I, I really love the way he approaches his tennis. He's so intense out on the court. He's got that serve that can win him a lot of free points. He's got the big, big forehand that can also um, win him points no matter the surface. He's, I actually think that going into the French, he was a little bit spent because he won a title at home in the clay. And he also made the semis at Rome. And I think that took a lot out of him. So I think he's maybe a little bit more refreshed. I know he's playing the week before a Grand Slam, but, um, you know, not playing on the grass, you know, the matches aren't generally aren't as long. We know you work different parts of your body, you know, the lower back and you really have to bend. So it's a different kind of part of the body working, but I think he could be looking good. Um, and you mentioned Query, who's in the final uh, in Mallorca. Carreño Busta, I mean, that straight away, Query and Carreño Busta. I mean, Carreño Busta didn't have a bad Mallorca either. So, I mean, that's one. Uh, Query is not seated, dangerous there. Hercatch and Musetti. Musetti and Hercatch play on the clay, her catch had to retire after a set, but that one set they played, if you haven't seen it, if you can watch it, it was one of the most entertaining sets of tennis you're ever going to watch. It was just terrific stuff for, for those players. Uh, Marin Cilic has been in Wimbledon final in the past. And then, of course, you know, Medvedev and Struff, they just played, didn't they, um, in, in Halle. And that was won by, uh, by Struff. Yeah, so that's, uh, again, uh, Daniel Medvedev is, uh, again, the same boat as Sasha's where slightly more consistent, uh, you would think. Uh, is he is he the number two guy? If there is a number two guy in this tournament, I don't know, not ranking wise, but can he back the ranking and be the number two seed, number two I, favorite? I still, I, I still have to, for me, honestly, I'm not just saying this because of what he's done, because of how well he's played there, and his familiarity playing on the grass. I, I kind of, for me, have to say that Roger is the number two behind behind Novak, and then you know just behind that, I'm putting Berrettini into that category. There's a bit of the question marks I talked about, about, about Stefanos and also playing on the grass. And then uh, Medvedev, I mean, the timing for him is just perfect. You know, making a grass court final in Mallorca, I believe it's the first grass court final he's ever made. He can get, uh, you know, the, the ace count for him can, can be really, really high, uh, you know, in the 20s, if not more, you know, playing best three out of five. He's a tremendous competitor. Um, he, he, he's, I think it's so laser focused when it comes to, to grand slams and wanting to do well. So um, for him, I think it'd be, it'd be big because, you know, it would then tell him, you know what? Okay. I've done well playing on hard courts and making you know, these grand slam finals, but you know, I can do it on the surface. And the French open actually for him was, was a good French open. I mean, it was a, it was a close three, three setter that he lost to sits a pass where had he taken a set points in the second set, it might've been a different match. So um you asked me about, you know, the, the order. Djokovic, again, Federer, I put number two in, and then I put the likes of, you know, Bertini in there, certainly in the mix, and and, uh, and Medvedev as well. Okay, so we talked about pretty much every big name in the draw. Djokovic remains the standard of the conversation. So who are your semifinalists from the top half? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so Novak, yeah, Novak is um, is going to be my semifinalist from the top half, the top part of the, uh, the draw there. I'm just having a little peak closely now and that's second in the uh, second quarter There's, yeah the, the question mark is really for me can he can he do it since the pass and and back it up um yeah mm. i'm not sure i really i'm not sure on that one because I, i'm looking through the names and i i'm not for me set on one particular player to go on and make the semifinals. Um, so it's between Tsitsipas, Shapovalov. Uh, who else? Who else lives there? And well, then, the thing uh, is, is Batista Batista Good, Apelka, Batista Good. The form going in, but he does have experience. I don't know if he's going to make the semifinals this year after doing so previously. Um, I'm. I'm can I just say I don't think it's a pass because because of the long clay court swing? How about how about you give me that one? It's not just a pass because of his long clay court swing. Um, 
Sure, I'll plug one in for you. I'll go bold. I'll say, okay, if uh, it's a big if. If Denis Shapovalov can win two matches, then I think watch out. I think this could be the breakout. Okay, that's that's. Uh, thanks for bailing me out on that one. I'm going to go with uh, Berrettini in the uh, the bottom half top section, and then at the bottom, ooh, it's going to be potential Federer and uh, Medvedev. I'm going to, and there's a lot of big names, and I do like Sonigo, and I love his mentality. Uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Medvedev. Okay, so Medvedev and Berrettini in the semis. Yes. Okay. All right, so this is your men's semi. So let's go back to the ladies' section. Who wins this thing? And then we can do the same for men. <laughs> um, well, I can tell you men. Let's just do men now. Uh, okay, I'm, sure. I'm, You're in the I'm groove gonna, here. I'm going to pick Novak. Uh, and I think um, he's somebody who's able to manage things so very well. Um, he's also able to lift his game, uh, really, it seems like on a whim, as we saw in the French Open final. And I think you factor in... The landscape around him, you know, Roger's going to be 40 next month. There's no Rafa. I know that Rafa um, hasn't beaten Novak at a grand slam outside the French for 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 a while. Um, Eight years, I think. Uh, yeah. It, 2013 US time. Open. Yeah. It's been a long time. Generally, as we see, players who have had success uh, on the grass have been those with experience. So I'm going to go with Novak on the men's side. And uh, on the women's side, I know I picked Ash. Uh, the top half, didn't I, to make uh, the semifinals with Serena and then Kvitova and Sabalenka. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go a little bit big on this one and bold. Um, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go on a bit of a hunch. And <laughs> my hunch is generally going to work, but I'm going to go with Sabalenka. Oh, you know, that's, uh, again, that, that, that's a door that's been, you know, it's about to open. You know, we all feel that. She yeah. has underperformed. But then again, you know, my colleague Matt Zemek uh, uses the word, her evolution, the arc, it's still not there. You know, it'll eventually yeah. get there. Let's see if that's a tournament. Yeah. Oh, and, and who's losing the final to Djokovic? Is it Berrettini or Medvedev? Are you leaning either way? Uh, I really like the way that Berrettini's progressed in the last few months. Uh, I'm going to, I would say, yeah, I'll say, uh, I'll say Berrettini. Well, that's, that's that's really bold. I think, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, you know, anything can happen, but let's see how he gets to the first week. These conversations will, you know, we, we can all revisit them and second guess ourselves because the first few days, like they say, you can lose the championship, not win it. Yeah. And uh, for Berrettini, I think uh, Medvedev, Sitsipas, Zverev, these are like uncharted territory at Wimbledon where they're really expected to do well. Some yeah. have a better draw, some have more momentum. So it should be fascinating. How about how about Sakib, your picks? Uh, your picks for the men. Who's gonna? You say Djokovic in the final. Who's he gonna face in that final? I think Medvedev. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yep. It's hard, I think, but it's gonna be a closer final than Australia. I think it's hard to go against Djokovic. I think there'll be three men sitting at sixty slams, you know, in two weeks' time. That's a crazy, <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy yeah. wealth and distribution of wealth. Yeah. And uh, on the women's side, again. Uh, I'm torn. I think uh, I think Serena can make a move, but then I also see Bencic beating her. Okay. Uh, you wow, you're, so, really, you're really going. Uh, you're really going. Uh, going big on, uh, on Belinda. Not not winning at all, but I think can yeah. come to the semis. And then uh, yeah, I'm with you with Sabalenka and Quirova. I'll also three. Also see how Sakari does because I've been kind of bullish on her, but not sure if yeah. uh, there's enough turnaround time. Sure. And not too confident on Ash Barty. I mean, just because of the hip injury. Hip injuries are tricky. Yeah. I don't know how serious it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't give you an answer there, did I? So, uh, just for the sake of it, let's see if Kovetova finds her form. Maybe maybe she can win another Wimbledon. Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, that, tough. That, it's tough to pick one player. It is. No, it is. It is. Uh, this is the great thing about draws, right? They come out and then they all go pear-shaped within a couple of days, as you said. No, because the women draws, uh, you know, the, 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 the talent pool has doesn't have the stability. It has a lot of upside. The men, you know, have been spoiled, you know, uh, with the big three and then, you know, uh, even the support cast with Murray and I hate to say Murray's support cast, you know, I don't want to get hate mail. He's one of my favorite players to watch. And Vavrinka, there were like a lot of heavyweights. So in yeah. the women, I think they're just rewriting their own, you know, landscape right now. Serena looms large because she's like such a superstar, such an icon. But uh, yeah, it's just hard to pick. I think on, on any given day, you know, whoever can utilize the draw better can can make it count yeah. because Magaruta yeah. remains like such an under underperformer. With all the injuries. 
Yeah, no, yeah, you're All right. right. So I think yeah, it's dinner time. We've gone 15 minutes over. Thank you, Ravi, so much for doing this. Uh, I won't bug you for another two months, maybe uh, 2.50 in the fall. <laughs> and then uh, looking forward to your commentary. And guys, tune in. Ravi's doing a lot of great work. We all know that. And my small plug-in doesn't really justify what he's doing. But yeah, his work is uh, pretty top-notch. So let's uh, rely on him and others to bring us coverage of another glorious fortnight of the championships. Thank you, Estakib. I appreciate those kind words and, and you asking me. Uh, you know, I always say this when I'm commentating, a privilege to be covering tennis and, and bring it to you. So uh, thank you for asking me and um, have a great Wimbledon. I know you will.